Welcome to She's Great, a podcast where we tell each other about great women who have done great things. I'm Meredith Kaufman. And I'm Natalie Moore. Thanks for joining us. It's going to be great. So you want to talk about the show, what the Constitution means to me by Heidi Schreck? Heidi Schreck at the New York Theater Workshop. You saw it the other night. I saw it two nights ago, and I um, was totally blown away. Her ability to draw us in to her thinking yeah, as well as her emotional experience I, I just I was so excited about and um, but the subject of the play the Constitution yes. we all get little pocket constitutions yes mine I love next to I my still bedside. have mine I've been reading it with the girls in the morning some of it really like, I've been like picking oh, an good. amendment and reading it and being like did you know this is yeah it's nice. so nice have it handy Yes, I feel like I would like Heidi there to explain it to me because the language is so inaccessible. Yeah, it's very challenging. Um, but when it gets really flushed out by someone who has thought about it a lot more than me, I appreciate that, and I think I need it. Well, yes, yes, and I loved actually getting it presented. So Heidi Shrek wrote this play about a speech she used to give when she was fifteen. Uh, about the Constitution. It's how she put herself through high school and college winning these competitions that like VFWs. American Legions. Yeah, American Legions, yes. Yeah, which is like the Elks Club or the Kiwanis, but it's the American Legion. That's right. Mm -hmm. And, but I loved, like, she couldn't find the speech, so she had to kind of like piece it together from her memory, and Mm -hmm. she would go in and out of sort of being her buoyant, cheerful, 15-year-old self and then would step out of that and be her 40-something self in this Mm -hmm. era of 2018 kind of commenting. Mm -hmm. I loved that. And I I think maybe too because she's close to our age, like Mm -hmm. that idea of like the happy 15-year-old girl who is talking about things that are contradictory and maybe not always great for women, but like but now things are going to be great and we're moving, you know, things are going to be better and good. <laughs> then that contrasted yeah. with like the current reality we're living in right now and a lot of the yeah. frustration a lot of us are having. I mm-hmm. thought that was just like it really resonated with me, you know, to kind of yeah. think about where we were yeah, in the it 90s. Yeah, so well done. And, and then she really... What's that? Oh, no, just to think about where we were at 15 and where we are now. And, oh, and yeah. how do we feel about it? You know, and like what did we what we thought was going to happen and where what's happening? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I loved the parts where we got to hear the Supreme Court justices yes. deliberating. Oh my god. She brought up a couple of cases. One of them was from um what was it? 1916 or something. It was about um with the birth control? Contraception. Yeah, with the contraception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the birth control. Yeah, pill. and that was, it, that was um, let's see, Griswold versus Connecticut. Um, well, it was 65. Wait. Yeah, it was in the on. 60s. 65? 65. Yeah, 65. Mm-hmm, 65. And um, how they, they just kept clearing their throats in this really disturbing way do you remember that (laughs) yes yes they they were all just like it was all like they couldn't you know they were they were trying to find a way to justify whether they could justify it or i don't know what i guess they were trying to justify it but they were um 
you know, bringing up whether it was about feminine hygiene. And they clearly had no comfort level discussing this. Well, because it was like female bodies, right? Right, right, exactly. Well, but also to think and, about 1965, like you wouldn't talk about, you know, like even women in, yeah. with each other wouldn't probably discuss, you know, their private parts or their, you know, like it was... Mm-hmm. And then to have these old white men making these decisions, which sadly is still happening, about right. women's bodies, and it just it was so over the top. You're just like I felt like everyone in the room was like just laughing because it's so ridiculous, mm-hmm. and yet it's still happening. Right, and yet there they are forced to have the conversation because someone wanted an IUD. Well, and also I thought it time. was interesting too because she was saying they were all at the time these these justices having affairs with young women. And so they probably yes. wanted their mistresses yeah. to have access to birth control. Yes, they may have been swayed by personal preference <laughs> yeah. in those deliberations. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, mm-hmm. the whole, like, the way she revisited history and, like, kind of through this feminist lens, I just feel like that's what we need more of. And young, not just girls, young girls and boys mm-hmm. need to have a deeper understanding of kind of, like, what we've been up against, and especially women mm-hmm. of color and indigenous mm-hmm. people, like, once we have a deeper sense of this history and and we're going to be able to move forward in a better way, you know? Without mm-hmm. this history, yeah. we just keep repeating everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the idea of the Constitution being a living, breathing document and that there are elements in the Constitution that protect its own evolution. She mentioned, um, you know, Frederick Douglass citing that the constitution is what shined the light back on its i don't i'm of course i don't have the quote (laughs) this is where a smarter brain would be useful um but uh how he mentioned that the the constitution allowed the country to move forward and ban slavery right right that that was actually within it, the frame, you know, they it, they kept it loose, and that was, you oh, know, one right. of like, the concepts that we like. Oh, right, like, we all have rights, even if they're not stated mm-hmm. yet. Like, we get to have rights even if they're not written. We have all these rights that can be mm-hmm. imagined in the future. That's right. in the Constitution. and that's the Ninth Amendment. That's yeah. the Ninth Amendment, yes. And that's where that beautiful phrase or that word penumbra yes. came from with that, decision the Griswold versus Connecticut Justice William O. Douglas um, said that you know there are specific guarantees in the Bill of Rights that how ha- they have penumbras which is this which, which is like you be- know, this gray area between light and darkness right right and that we s- oh here's the quote okay ready yeah. specific guarantees in the Bill of Rights have penumbras formed by emanations from those guarantees that help give them life and substance. I mean, I just love because the legal language is is so specific and dry Mm -hmm. because it has to be concrete. And here this person, this justice articulated something that is almost ephemeral and not yet in existence. Right. And... We're still working through these areas. We're still in this gray area of light and darkness. Mm-hmm. We keep thinking we're in the light, but we keep getting kind of pulled back <laughs> to the darkness. The darkness has very strong representation yeah. right now. Well, and the darkness is ignorance, right? I mean, the darkness is people not yeah. knowing and maybe only caring about their own personal circumstances and not trying to imagine the circumstances yeah. of people 
maybe less fortunate or disenfranchised. Um, I actually found it when she talked about the Dred Scott case. Um, yeah. I felt like that had, like, it connected to Blasey Ford. Like, I was like, be- mm-hmm. he lost, but something mm-hmm. changed in the culture, you know? It, that started to shift mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, we... It was a catalyst. We need laws to change, but we need the culture to be awake to change the laws. Yeah. Otherwise, it it's won't have an impact. Yeah. Otherwise, it won't happen. And so, I don't know, I found, like, weirdly kind of hopeful, you know, mm, even hearing mm, that's so mm-hmm. terrible that that happened, but but we're living in mm-hmm. a time where things like that still happen. But if people are awakened into you know more of the light of the penumbra, then mm-hmm. real change can start to happen. Right, right, yeah, um, yeah. And it's funny. I was just listening to uh, oh my god, what is the name of the podcast? It has to do oh things you should know about maybe, but in a historical context. And it was all about Dred Scott's wife who was also part of the case. Right, because he was suing for her freedom, too? Yes, yes, for both of them. And neither of them knew how to read. And yet they managed to continue moving this case forward. And their children, their four children, were also part of the, the case. Um, uh, so just tragic. Just always got to talk about the women, because otherwise they, Get they don't exist. Exactly, yes. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't matter. Well, then that was another part, point of the show that really resonated was how this document was written uh, by land-owning white men in order to protect their interests. And the language came from those people. And the rest of the people who lived in the country at the time, the indigenous people and women and um, kidnapped Africans... <laughs> Um, didn't count, and so they're, they have yet to really make it into the Constitution. And at the end of the show, I mean, do we spoiler alert? Is that not cool? I mean, it closes. We... I think it closes in Sunday, so. Okay, I mean, so spoiler it. alert. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, there's, I mean, there's an argument at the end where they bring in this yeah. young debater and a young female um, debater who is doing similar uh speeches and stuff as Heidi was doing when she was 15 which I thought was really great and argue mm-hmm. whether or not they you know we should abolish the constitution because mm-hmm. as Heidi argues it's laws written by corpses and we can't get past it no matter how many amendments we tag on like we still can't get outside of it and can't get our- Yeah as she put it we're being ruled by zombies Yeah which, and she dead. made great arguments, but I have to say mm-hmm. when uh, I saw a young girl named, I think her name was Thursday Williams. who Oh, you saw her? Okay, I saw the other one. And uh, mm-hmm. she was fantastic. I bet. And there was something really powerful about seeing um, a teenage African-American girl say, mm-hmm. we need to believe in the Constitution. We have to stick with it. Um, right. Because what are we going to have without it? What kind of utopia are you going to create that's going to protect people? Like it's and mm-hmm. who do you think's going to be harmed the worst? Like who do you think's mm-hmm. going to get the brunt of this? And you know this document is the only thing that's keeping our country together right now. Which mm-hmm. that could I think that might be true. 
It is true. I mean, if Paul Ryan has to come out and say, no, you can't actually just decide that people, birthright citizenship isn't happening anymore just because you're president. It's in the Constitution. Yeah. So. <laughs> and when you're like, you know, yay, Paul Ryan, you know the Constitution uh, yeah, is don't keeping, make me the like con- you. It's keeping the country together. You can like the Constitution. I, I loved mm-hmm. the image that she talked about, um, about the woman and the dog walking along the beach. I think it was her mom. Oh, yeah. That a woman and a dog are walking along the beach. The dog is progress. You know, as a dog is on the beach, it runs forward and behind mm-hmm. you, sometimes along with you. Um, but the woman is continually walking forward. She's always moving forward. I found right. that so powerful. I've been, like, mm-hmm. thinking about that so much and talking about that idea. Yeah. Because I think it is, it's like a, it's a grounded hopefulness. Like, it's mm-hmm. a real. Was that her mom who said that yeah. to her or was that Grandma Betty? Oh, maybe it was Grandma. I thought, I I seem to remember her being her yeah. mother, but maybe it was her grandmother. Yeah. Well, and the other element of the the show that was this like this deep current running under it the whole time is the violence against women mm-hmm. of of any race and but more but particularly st- you know, it's harder for women of color and, and certainly at different periods of history even harder to report um mm-hmm. be, you know Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Of course. Yes. Absolutely. And I remembered a statistic that she gave, and I even looked it up, and it is accurate um, that almost three women a day are murdered by their boyfriends or husbands or exes. Yeah. In America. And people like that's, I guess, the culture accepts that. It is true, (laughs) right? It's just part of what what is, and yeah, which I found really stunning. And you know, another element of the play was about how these women were imported from um, Germany to the northwest. For the loggers, her grandma being one of them, despite the fact that these people were, these guys were already a lot, they had already like hooked up with indigenous women or whatever, but they don't exist, they don't count, so whatever, we're going to get some white women in here, and um, and then she read, she identified the headlines, the like four headlines from one week were just unspeakable violence, like getting stomped in the, f- I mean, tied to a bed, horrible. Because women were property. I mean, they were property. Right punching bags yes and then and then you know so I wanted to ask you you know there was that she described that um, moment when she was in college she was new and she had she was coming home from rehearsal and it was with some guy that she had just met Mm -hmm. and um, he said you know dropped her off and he's like oh I've been waiting all night to kiss you all of like you know two hours right right (laughs) (laughs) all night like he's so desperate I mean yeah it can't be easy walking around with that much testosterone but Jesus and (laughs) (laughs) And so, and she said she was scared, even though she doesn't believe he would have hurt her. Right. And this, like, I love this. But she was scared because she said. Because we've evolved to have that. She said, there was just this little voice that was just, says, just stay alive. Mm -hmm. Just stay alive. So sleep with him in order to stay alive. Right. And that also may be mixed with an attraction to him, a desire. Yes. You know, but, but, but what part of it was her own agency that she wanted the to have the experience mm-hmm. with him and what part of it was just based in some sort of animal fear of him right and that right. that we've exactly. evolved this you know, way I, on purpose yeah. because this 
We mm-hmm. lived, we come from a society and other societies prior to this one that brutalized women and that it's in mm-hmm. our DNA. That's what mm-hmm. I was like starting to understand, that the trauma is in women. And and part of the mm-hmm. reason why when people are like, why didn't they just say something? Why didn't they speak mm-hmm. up? That It's based in this fear this um and what did she talk what was the word that she talked about the women who stayed with the husbands and and betrayed their daughter was it complicit resistance or some small acts of resistance small acts the for the women that were silent right the right that about how it was sort of smart to be a victim in a system of oppression yeah it's like it's a survival tactic yes right yes yeah and that, mm-hmm. to me, makes sense. You know, when I question, like, the 54% of white women that voted for our president, mm-hmm. I do feel like there's an element of that. I'm not saying they all yes. think themselves victims. But there's an almost a, it's a cynicism. Like, this uh-huh. is as good as we're going to have it, ladies. Like... Right. I remember like some women, some woman interviewed in a Trump country on election night and she said she proudly voted for Trump. And the journalist asked her why. What about the comments he made on the bus, which, of course, we all thought was like the nail on his coffin. Yeah. But she was like, oh, just locker room talk. All boy, you know, boys will be boys. That whole shrugging off of violent behavior. And excusing you know, boys, like the boys need to be protected. The girls, come on, girls. You're. Mm-hmm. There were these mm-hmm. women on, uh, it was on MSNBC during the Kavanaugh hearings, and it was a mother with like a teenage daughter and even younger daughter, like a 12-year-old. And she's like, yeah. what's a little groping? You girls have probably are. You girls have been groped. That's it's not a big thing. I don't understand why that would affect someone's life. Oh, my God. I mean, what, like it's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. And But that's oh. a real, like... I mean, that's a problem for for us if we want to move forward in our society of like, you know, mm-hmm. half of the white female voting population is willing to accept that. Let's it's problematic. Right. 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 Well, it's like, you know, the the casual racism of the 19th century, which, of course, we're still carrying over into today. Exactly. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, that just makes me think of Betsy DeVos, you know, trying to um, lighten up the rules that Obama m- moved through regarding um, higher education institutions and their policies on sexual assault on their campuses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like taking shots at her, so I guess I, I find ways to work her in, but... Um, well, because yeah, she's completely thing. unqualified for the position that she has, but so is everyone in his cabinet. And she gives my state a bad name. Yeah. I take it personally. Michigan. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, God, please, Tuesday. Please. I know. I'm so uncomfortable about Tuesday. And I still have I... PTSD from, like, 2016. Right, which was reactivated after Kavanaugh. Oh, my God. Which is why we decided to start recording our conversations. That's right. Because maybe, it, it, I don't know if it'll make us feel better, but at least we can um, discharge at each other. Well, <laughs> and, and the, the reason why I wanted to have our first conversation too. about this play is because I feel like it got mm-hmm. at so many of the reasons we were talking about having a podcast. Yes. Like this idea know, of, know. you know, women's place in the world and our history and knowing mm-hmm. the reality, like the, the ordinary women that are never, first of all, 
ordinary men aren't usually in the history books, but sometimes they are for wars or, but mm. like extraordinary <laughs> women, they there's like three that you learn about, you know? And there were so mm-hmm. many extraordinary women, but oftentimes they might have seemed ordinary, but they were dealing with extraordinary circumstances. You know, that her grandmother who was carted off to, you know, the upper Northwest to be a mail order bride and then suffers mm-hmm. from melancholia, um, mm-hmm. You know, how many women mm-hmm. have those had those stories that we, you know, know, she drank herself to death. You know, she, the, you yeah. know, that's it's in yeah. all of our histories. I, I have it in my history. Like, I, how many I know, women? Me too. I know. You know, I'd love to know someone who doesn't because mm. I think it's yeah. like a thread and it's something to mm-hmm. investigate because I think once we are able to look back look at why that was happening, then maybe we can deal with some of the mental illness that happens today. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's rooted Mm -hmm. in, you know, we're still part of that past, whether we want to be or not. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, in in the Constitution, it's, it's about the individual, the rights of the individual. And one of the points that she was making in her show, I think with you know, regarding the Ninth Amendment mm-hmm. and the the penumbral law that you know that that sort of came about in the, in the '60s as a result of this Griswold versus Connecticut decision was about the right to privacy, mm-hmm. and that that was that sort of directly inferred by the Ninth Amendment, and that um, there are zones of privacy that are implied in the Constitution and in the amendments already, and um, I think that is where what what remains to be art explored and articulated. Yeah. Well, and also this idea that abortion wasn't um, maybe it wasn't discussed, you know, in polite society for many mm-hmm. generations, but it was something mm-hmm. that happened through this and it was protected yeah. by this privacy. And then when the politicians understood that it could become a wedge issue, um, that's when it's mm-hmm. become so important in just the last, you know, 30 years or so. Right. It's become weaponized. Because re- there used to be Republican women who were pro-choice. I mean, that was part of the—and mm-hmm. I'm sure there still are, um, although I question right. your choices right now, Republican women who are pro-choice. Like, why are you yeah. letting this happen to the Supreme Court? Um, well, and how do you feel about what's happened to your party? Don't you feel like it's been hijacked by, you know, the moral— what's it called, the neoconservatives, about all these moral issues? I mean, the Republicans were traditionally so about limiting government control. Yeah, I mean, but the neoconservatives, I feel like that was like Bush, right? Now this is like, I mean, worse. It's it's fascism. It's so crazy. I know. Well, they're a little freaked out that we had a black president, you know. I mean, everyone's just having a little freak out about that. Yeah, I guess that is definitely I mean, part I of it know. that's that's way too simplistic but uh well but, but with the black president we also got gay marriage passed we got you know like mm-hmm. we're moving mm-hmm. in a direction health care yeah this is <laughs> this is the dog I running know. much farther behind us on the beach like we can't see the dog now in the distance <laughs> right we might have lost the dog yeah, we might need to call <laughs> we might need to make animal rescue <laughs> like where did the dog go Dog is in the ocean. <laughs> and there's a shark eating it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Well, it's well, a great play, do we though. Wanna sh- it's what? It was a great, I mean, it was a great show. I, I did, despite everything, it was a great show. left hopeful, with especially with the young girl and her argument 
to keep the constitution mm-hmm. made me believe mm-hmm. like maybe we'll get this right I, it's going to take a long time but we can't give up a long, but we can't long give up long time. we can't give up yeah um do we want to share a story about a person do you have a person so the person i have isn't isn't unknown she's like the most well-known woman in the world but um <gasps> i should i guess i yeah i guess malala no oprah Oprah. I, did you? Oprah. Oh, tell me a story about Oprah. Well, so I, yesterday she was in Georgia and. Yes, she's very excited about Stacey and she Abrams. Gave a she's motivated yes. to endorse Stacey mm. Abrams. And she talked mm. a lot about uh, the civil rights history and, and voting rights and mm-hmm. told the story of uh, a preacher who she had heard the story through a preacher, his father walked 18 miles in one day because every um, they kept telling him to go to different uh, places to vote. They kept saying he was at the wrong place. And Mm -hmm. after 18 hours, he finally got to where they were going to allow him to vote and the polls were closed. Mm -hmm. And then he died before the next election. (laughs) And Oprah said that when she when she votes, she votes for him. And she votes for 10,000, you know, she's, or she quoted my angel, like, well, I come as one, but I hold 10,000 in me. And this idea of like your legacy and, Mm -hmm. and honoring your ancestors and their dreams for you and what they fought for, um, that -hmm. we can't forget that. And somehow that kind of tied into what we're talking about, uh, you know, with what the constitution means to me. And I feel like the more young people Mm -hmm. can kind of tap into the real history of this country, you know, not mm-hmm. just what's taught not the in the text, not the whitewashed versions. Yeah. I really think yeah. it's going to people will be more motivated and we'll have a. It's not going to be just this sort of cynicism, apathy. Um, yeah, we need to be reinvigorated by our history. And I think yeah. if we can find ways to access that in young people, I think they're going to want to show up, you know, because people mm-hmm. have had way harder odds than we have right now. You know, there's mm-hmm. been people, they freed themselves from slavery. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. this is bad, but it's not that bad. We can get out of this if people. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's what Oprah. And I was just thinking, who else but Oprah has the energy to match, you know, Trump? Because Trump is just mm. every day, his face, every day, the sound of his voice. What woman could match that energy in the world? I'm like, and there's Oprah Winfrey. Like, Nobody else mm. could be that. Nobody. Not even there's not even another man. I don't think that she, when she's when she speaks, you I she's familiar. I feel like I know her. You know, and I know that's I know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she has as much power as she has and yet has made I just broken so many barriers and done so many amazing things and yet she still feels so familiar and humble and I don't know why she did those Weight Watchers commercials, but she likes bread and but I just, <laughs> but I was just like, I was really happy to see her in Georgia. And I was just yeah. proud that I don't, she's not going to run. And I don't know, but, no. but her energy is needed right now and her access to yeah. people the way she, and I'm glad that she's out there doing that work. So that's who I wanted to talk yeah. about, I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's making me think that the way that we are waking up um, as a, na- hopefully as a nation, um, 
is exciting because we can now talk about history as something that we have a stake in and we can participate in. Mm. You know, like when I'm trying to explain to my five-year-old certain aspects about what's happening right now, I tell him that there's a lot of bad things that are that there are a lot of mistakes that people have made along the way Mm -hmm. and um and that's why we have to engage yeah because we have an effect and we have a say and um i love that you you basically i mean we're like on the same same page because i just came across um a woman who organized in Selma and um, she was organizing in Selma before Dr. King got there. In fact, she wrote to him a couple of times over a couple of years to um, have him come down there before he did. Oh, wow. Um, Her name's Amelia Boynton um, and she actually has a really long name, Amelia Isadora Platts Boynton Robinson, because huh. um, <laughs> she married her her maiden name was Platts, okay. but she married Boynton and then Robinson. Anyways, um, she grew up down there in a little wooden house in Savannah, um, where her father owned a wholesale woodlot. I couldn't. I wanted to find out more about her family origins because it seemed like they were successful okay um because they had a business and she said we felt like we had to be leaders because it's what the community expected and um her mother took her around um traveling by horse and buggy um because she was a suffragist her mother was a suffragist um and so they wanted women to have information about um registering to vote which was really 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 hard to do in georgia um (laughs) especially at that time and she majored in home economics at tuskegee um, where she knew george washington carver and she started working for the department of agriculture teaching people in rural areas about food and and processing and nutrition um so she was already used to just traveling around and organizing people and um she wrote a play Wow. Um, oh my gosh. This woman. <laughs> I know. Amazing. She's really cool. She wrote a play called, um, oh my gosh, wait, I wrote it down because now I'm not remembering it. I have too much information. Um, I'll, it'll come to me. But she wrote a play because she wanted people to, uh, she wanted to raise money for a community center for African Americans in Georgia. Um, and the play was about her uncle who escaped slavery by commandeering a Confederate ship during the Civil War and was later elected to represent South Carolina during the Reconstruction. Whoa. Yeah, it was in one of these kind of like, there was a couple of decades post-Civil War where um, freed slaves were like, yes, we got this. And they... You know, before Jim Crow laws, yes. really, the dog, really the dog in. was running very far ahead of the. The dog was very far ahead. <laughs> that dog was in yes. a good spot. Yes, um, and her home became um, the headquarters of um, voting rights um, and civil rights movement in Selma. So King and all those guys hung out at her house, okay. and they like parts of the Voting Rights Act was drafted in her kitchen. Wow. Um, also, she and her husband ran a, a company where they helped black people buy land um, so that they were no longer forced to be sharecroppers. And, and I, I believe that 
a lot of what her work was worked into the Section 8 laws that are that are still in place today. Wow. Um, and everyone has seen her picture because she was knocked unconscious by a cop on a horse on the Pettus Bridge oh. when they marched across. And um, But she survived. And she uh, not only did she, did she survive, but three weeks later when they did finally make it across the bridge because Johnson finally like had his arm behind his back and cried uncle and was like, okay, fine, we'll send some troops th- so they can go. Because, you know, because a white priest got killed okay. um, down there. Um, so she did finally, you know, make it to Montgomery. And she marched 50 miles. Oh my she had been beaten unconscious three weeks pr- prior. Oh my God. And she kept moving forward. Yes. So Amelia Boynton, Amelia Boynton is like the matriarch of the Voting Rights Act. And I did not know her name. That's our show for today. Please join us next time to learn more about great women.